I still do theater. I love the collaborative process at the beginning. You get the set designer, the director, the lighting designer, the costume designer, the, the composer. Everybody gets together and they have a creative meeting. This is where you bring your renderings. This is what I was thinking about the costumes. And this is where color can come into play, too. Well, I always have fond memories of uh, fabrics. My sister and my mom used to take me to, come on, Tommy, you got to go with us. And I have to spend, it seemed like an interminable amount of time at Hancock Fabrics. <laughs> I love the way it smelled in there, though. And I would just walk around and feel the fabrics. And I'd hear the bolt go, you know, and then the scissors, and and all that, and uh, so it was, it was an interesting experience, uh, but one I remember going to many, many times. So, You're listening to Color Talk. I'm Tom Parrish, your host. Today, I'm in the studio with an award-winning costume designer, Carrie Perkins, and we're exploring what a colorist can learn from a costume designer and how that collaboration can not only impact creative strength of a film, could also be used to, to impact the budget in very positive ways, maybe save you money, or at least take the money you have and use it better. Because we're going to talk about the renewed importance of collaborating in the film process on the use of color versus this age-old problem we've seen in the last few years of fixing color in post-production. The point is, it's a team sport, and it starts early if you want to really stretch your budget and maximize your creative efforts. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm just delighted and excited to dig in on the topic of color with you. Tell the audience a little bit about your background and films you've worked on. And I'll tell you what, I'll start with the fact that you're an award-winning costume designer, as I said. And with an, you have a rather innovative style in you know, just creating believable characters for feature films and photography and the stage and whatnot. So what else have you done? Thanks, Tom. I think some of the biggest films I've are most iconic. I designed Dazed and Confused. Oh, yeah. Um, I designed, I work a lot with a director, Richard Linkletter. And uh, most recently with him, I did a film called Bernie. Uh, I did Boyhood, mm. which is out right it's, now. It's out taking now. Taking the world by storm. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> uh, we just completed a film called That's What I'm Talking About, and um, which was really very, very fun. And that's another Linkletter film? That's another Linkletter film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's I did a film called Mud, too, Mud. which was Jeff Nichols. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, wow. That was a fun one. That was actually shot on film. Is there a particular way in which you like to approach um, costume designing, you know, from, a, from an artistic perspective? Well, um, I don't know. Some of it's intuitive for me. Mm-hmm. It's always different for every every project. Yeah. I do like to create very believable characters, and so I talk to the director first to to really find out what it is mm-hmm. um, that he's looking for, he or she's looking for, mm-hmm. that, and to see if that jives with what I'm seeing in my mind. A lot of times when I read something, it comes up. Immediately, I can see exactly the way that these people need to look. So I'll talk with the director about that, and I'll talk to the actor, too, about that, because it's really important you know, a lot of times they'll have a, a different idea or can enhance um, my idea or the director's idea. And from that point, I'll go and I'll, I'll find, find things uh, or make things. Um, the fun to, part, huh? Yeah. Well, that's really fun. <laughs> Usually, the, you know, lately, a lot of the stuff I've been doing is actually finding 
uh, pieces. The the last film I did was set in the 80, 1980 in a small town in Texas. So uh-huh. I actually um, shop the entire thing from Texas. Really? Um, mm-hmm. You found vintage the old stores. clothing? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, everything from vintage stores, charity shops, yeah. thrift stores, um, my, my closet. <laughs> <laughs> you have some stuff from the 80s, do you? <laughs> I do. Well, actually, Linkletter had talked to me a number of years ago about this film. Mm-hmm. And always in the back of my mind, it was there. Once I read a script, it's like it's done. You know, I've already got everything all planned out. So yeah. in my mind, that part was done. So when I was out thrifting, I would always, if I saw something from the era, I would just take it. Mm-hmm. I would buy it. And my my in-laws live in West Texas, and that's the best place to shop. So whenever we're there, wow. my husband and I yeah. always get to have date night. My in-laws take the kids. So we'll go out and <laughs> shop and find all these wonderful things from the time period, which I think is really important. It's, you know, for one thing, it's really authentic. It was actually from the time period. So the fabrics are different. The colors are different um, than today. Or trying to buy something new and then make it look like it's older. Mm. Well, overall, from my conversations with you, you love color. Yes, I do. What is it about color that's just so fascinating to you? I don't know. I think maybe it's a vibrational thing or, or emotional. Um, it has a lot of power to me. And I like to call myself a color junkie. <laughs> I just <laughs> surround myself with it. I'm always dyeing fabrics. I, uh, I do a lot of um, art, which is dyed silk pieces mm-hmm. and... Um, I think it's really important in film. Visually, it can really help tell your story. Right. Um, it can set a mood. It can, it can take a character someplace. Like one example is, um, you, uh, in Days and Confused, when the 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 kid gets to go out on a date, you know, and he picks up his girl, and she's so fresh and young and I have her in like a rose pink t-shirt yeah, and yeah. it was just so sweet uh-huh, uh-huh. and you know if she was like in a Kelly Green or something <laughs> that a totally different vibe she would be like a wild thing you know so so that kind of that's a, a wonderful example of how mm-hmm. color can really oh it takes you oh look how precious she is you know even Richard when he when she came to set he was like oh yeah, you know, that's exactly the way she needs to look. It's just perfect. Well, you know, along that line, I, I, I was listening to a podcast that you had done two or three years ago. And really what struck me about it was that um, you have this this genuine interest in problem solving. And, th- and that's one of the fascinating things I think about color is that you have to incorporate some logical but a lot of sort of intuitive elements as to what's the right thing to do. Um, I remember on a previous interview, uh, I was talking to an artist who'd written a lot about color, and he says, you know, fundamentally, it's not that it's important, it's just that it's highly influential. Ah, yeah, that's good. That's kind of where I'm going here, is this conversation about color, and there's a lot of problem solving that has to come into play from from the pre-production all the way down to the post-production. So 
this is where we just start out with a simple idea together. Even back in the days of theater, and this is pulled from our conversation earlier, you know, you could sort of think of theater as kind of low-tech compared to all the stuff you have to do in a digital film these days. One of the main keys to creative success of a production was pre-production conversation. Isn't that what you were saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, my theater experience, we would all, and, and I still do theater, but I love the collaborative process at the beginning. You mm-hmm. get the, the set designer, the director, the lighting designer, the costume designer, the, uh, the composer. Everybody gets together and mm-hmm. they have a creative meeting. This is where you bring your renderings. This is what I was thinking uh, about the costumes. And this is where color can come into play, too. It's really important. Everybody talks about the color at that point uh, as part of the design element. And um, so that gives everybody an idea. You wouldn't want to put somebody in a red shirt and then the, the, the light, they light it with green and it just turns you know, dark and it doesn't have the same feeling that you were going for. So if you say, well, I was really thinking of using this this particular color to really enhance this mood of this right. character in this part of the scene. And the right. director's like, yeah, that's just what I was thinking about. The lighting designer at that point can be, okay, I can enhance that by the colors that I choose to use. The, right. the set decorator, oh, yeah, let's do you know the sets for that particular scene and we can really get this mood going. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have elements of that in... Uh, and meetings with films generally are more logistical. They're yeah, not you, so much about. You, you were saying that. It's as though today, and, and I've certainly noticed it too today. Um, well, of course, I'm on the typically the tail end, although we're trying to change that a little bit. But it's as though today there's this rush to logistics, I think was the word you used. Right. Yeah, that's all about, you know, which are which are all very valid points, sure. which is all, you know, where are we going to put the big trucks? Where are we going to put the lights? Where are we going to, how are we going to have to rig the house to make it work, you know, or, yeah. or, or whatever. But there, there's rarely um, a true um, meeting of just the creative part, the creative team. And um, to, to discuss the, um, you know, just the basic elements, like where, where, how does this feel? What is this? What's this going to look like? What's our color palette going to be? Mm-hmm. The production designer generally has a good idea of how he, they want to do the think. sets, you know? Yeah. And, and and so <laughs> I kind of work around that. Um, yeah, you have to have some contrast in your in your costumes. Sure. To the, to, to, I mean, if I'm going to have anything to work with at the end, I've got to have some element of contrast, at least at some points in the scenes. Sometimes maybe you don't want it. it depends on what you're doing. Well, let's let's talk about this further. Then I think what's ironic about this is that this is what you did years ago in film, right? You had these conversations beforehand. It depends on on the director, truly. Yeah. Because I have had conversations with directors, like Adam McGoyan was very, very much about color, mm-hmm. and it was really important. It was not anything that was really set set like in a theatrical way where there's just a like a big meeting of the minds mm-hmm. before production started, which I think, you know, ultimately would really help with the overall um, 
making sure everybody's on the same page. And I think visually it would tie all of the different design elements together. Right now it seems to happen just kind of by chance or, uh, I don't know, seems a little more random or, I don't know, just everything gets so, um, so chaotic, you know, that there, there isn't the, the time once you start getting into production, there's not time. In- well, I, I think in times past that there were some constraints with regards to shooting too soon, much less the post-production side of it, because you had to send film out to get it processed. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that um, that's very true, that, that there was more time and care put into yeah. – the um, lighting and choices the, of colors. Yeah, the and... overall look. Um, I just saw the exhibit at the Harry Ransom Center, which was the Gone with the Wind, oh, and yeah. I was really, um, I was really amazed at how much, how much like the producer had control over every single little bit of that. Uh-huh. At least that's how it looked to me, and the and the um, telegrams sent out, you know, typewritten approved sheets like yes this is approved because you know like a statement oh i need this this thing to happen there was a strike notice that was you can't take this set apart until the producer says so (laughs) um that all the renderings that for the costume designs um uh, the huge build on all of the costumes and all the sets and it was just but so much care went into every single little bit of it before they filmed it because the film was so expensive that they didn't want to waste a thing. The sets were so expensive. They had, they actually burned burned Atlanta first. It was the first thing they shot was the burning of Atlanta. Really? And then they went back and they rebuilt the town. Wow. And then they shot the rest of it. Fascinating. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some specifics here. You, you brought up some fascinating points that even I hadn't considered. In the days when there was film, you had dailies, right? I mean, that was how it went. You said it was the end of the day and you were just beat. Right. They'd send the film to get developed and then they would send a print back. Right. It would usually take about two days and then they would have a screening in a screening room. On a big giant screen. On a big screen, yeah. And so you got to see exactly how the film was looking. Right. um, And what you were shooting as big as it was supposed to be, you know, or at least big enough that you could see the the details. And And you were mentioning some things about plaids and colors. I was wondering if you could bring that out. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, with film, there... There's a certain uh, richness that you don't, you can't really get so well with um, digitally. It feels like with the um, with the film, I had more freedom creatively, mm-hmm. um, and also more seems like more depth um, within the the frame. Um, that there things could go on in the background, like a, with a plaid, I could use like many different colors, and I would have this richness um, with texture and, and color, and I find with digital that it confuses the um, the camera. I can use two colors in a plaid, and it's okay, but if I get three colors, it kind of, <laughs> it'll start to moray. 
Mm-hmm. I've even had the experience of uh, right. denim mooring out outside, and and granted, a lot of that can be controlled with lighting um, and um, your filters, um, but still, there's there's a, a crispness. Even with a lot of times, they'll use like vintage lenses over the, you know, with the new cameras and. Right you can get an, a really awesome look with it, but it's still super sharp. <laughs> so crisp. And you have a rather tiny screen there on set at this point, I guess, right? Yes. To glance it. Take a look here. Is this okay? Okay, fine, right? It's just <laughs> yeah, well, you just don't get the, you know, here's your little DVD of the dailies, you know, and, oh, well, I can see, like, general, like, you know, general um, errors, continuity errors right, or whatever, yeah. but... By that point, it's too late. Nothing. You know, it's like you need to tell your set customer, "Watch out for that." You know, you made a continuity error, um, but you really can't see. I just have to go from experience and know from what I've shot in the past, and you know how that's going to look on the big screen. So there's a you know there's a couple of issues there. There's there's a lack of conversation at the beginning, if any. Uh, there's, there's sort of just a rush of logistics in the digital filmmaking. And then even in the digital filmmaking, this um, notion of getting the dailies back and seeing it on a large screen, maybe that's just not so practical anymore these days. But but still, it's, when you, you know, unless there's a real ongoing collaborative conversation that's occurring, um, you're having to sort of fix things after the fact more than you would probably want to. Right. Well, I just think it's a conversation that mm-hmm. that most people don't think about yeah. beforehand. Why do you think they just don't think about it anymore? I don't know. I don't I don't think it's taught at school or maybe it's just an afterthought. I don't I'm not sure why. I think it's really important. I think people should really consider how important color is, you know, how it can affect mood or help really really bring in your um the visual look of your scene and help tell your story uh, emotionally. Mm-hmm. The influential, emotional mm-hmm. aspects of the story. That are going to be. So let's talk about what that would look like in your mind. It would be uh, sitting down with who's ever driving the story, whatever the particular title is, but uh, you, you would want to sit down with a production designer. I mean, okay. Yeah, the director, mm-hmm. the production designer, designer, probably the uh, first the- AD. All right, the DP the, or the cinematographer? The DP, the cinematographer, absolutely. Yeah. And, you and know, probably um, the um, the gaffer, you know. Yeah, right. And what I would say, too, is somewhere in there on one of those conversations, if, if the colorist was involved, so that he could have a, be a part of the conversation to know sort of, intuitively what's what's occurring and then and then logically on the left brain side what is how is the dp going to shoot that well i think the colorist uh it would be important to be there just to to offer ideas Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now these are some ways that we can use color to you know create the mood for this particular scene or this particular scene or have you thought about this or just to be able to just um, input some ideas early on. Yeah, to be on. that color professional, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that collaborative conversation that brings about new insights that are important to know about and maybe make choices on and enhance the creative value of what you're going for 
and then potentially eliminate some problems that typically come up later on down the road. Yeah, absolutely. How would that whole process to sort of in summary then impact you as a costume designer, both um, from a creative point of view and from a budget point of view? I think creatively, it's always nice to know exactly where we're going with things, you know, how, however it is. Yeah. If we're going to do the sets this way, then it's nice to know. Mm-hmm. If we're going to use this kind of location, then it's really, it's really good to know. Um, if we're going to use particular colors, that's really great to know because then I can start working with a palette around that. If we're going to do the sets, like we're going to do a bright yellow wall for this scene, well, then right. I'll know that I, sh- I have a range of colors that I can work with that would be a complement to that, you know, or not. Or not, right. <laughs> Just depending on what the mood is for that scene. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. You know, each each project is so incredibly different that there's yeah. no way to uh, determine ahead of time, you know, what that, what that might be. But within the parameter of each production, I think it's really good to have that conversation um, right at the beginning. You know, as much planning as you can get done creatively, that's what you have control over right at the beginning are those thoughts and feelings. You know, I read the script and I thought this, you know, and I felt this and I would like to do this. And then, well, the director, I love that idea. Let's go with it. Or no, I was thinking something more along these lines. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you can get a good dialogue going right at the beginning and be thinking about it and, um, and have a little bit more um, color play in mind at the beginning, I think would be really awesome. So, all right, final words. What, what, uh, what else would you have to say about where things are going or what are you doing for 2015? I'd be curious to hear. Well, I'm actually going to be designing a ballet for the Fort Worth oh, Ballet Company. Oh, how exciting mm-hmm. is that? What's the ballet? It's a new work, uh, Jonathan Watkins. Mm-hmm. He's, a, um, he's from London. Yeah. And he's designing a new piece at uh, that'll be premiering a world premiere at the Fort Worth Ballet Company. I'll be doing that in May. I'm also doing the costumes for a um, Bowie Project Two or something. It's a sound <laughs> painting that's going to be at the Long Center in about two weeks. Cool. And so it's glam rock. Oh right. And, but it's a great show. It's really great. They take Bowie songs and they do sound paintings. So they break the music down into. They've developed a language between the band uh-huh. which is a, a bowie cover band yeah called the super creeps and then there's dancers the andrea ariel dance company is uh-huh. performing too mm-hmm. and they they have developed a language with the the phrasing and with the music and the movement and it's spoken word also and there's a conductor who goes out and and conducts the sound painting he paints the sound so they change the music around they add dance they add language and it's going to be wonderful colors <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll say <laughs> i'll be doing some crazy costumes for that and um so that's really fun too yeah so you do much more than just films then that, i am always busy i'm also making a bunch so of clothes exciting. for myself right now which is really fun. <laughs> well you have an award to pick up here soon right well maybe Possibly. i'm just nominated i haven't, nominated, I haven't won right. but um i do have to go out to la to uh to go to this event so I'm making really pretty dress yeah (laughs) and then I'll be speaking at some other 
uh, other engagements out there. I'm going to be at uh, UCLA talking about the costumes oh, for Boyhood on excellent. the Saturday before the yeah. Oscars. Oh. All right. Well, Carrie Perkins, thank you so much for squeezing in a little time here to sure. come over to my studio and talk about this, something I'm pretty passionate about. And I greatly appreciate your inputs. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to our organic website manager, Sunish Sebastian, for only using gluten-free SEO tags in the website, and Jenny Meadows, our copy editor, for her mindfulness and kindness in helping me write. If you're in the Austin area, always know there's an open door here with amazing coffee and plenty of conversation on tap. From Austin, Texas, stay tuned for more.